Hello, listeners. This is your guest editor, Layla, speaking. Um, my audio had a little bit of a goof up after Aaron's summary of transistors, so if you hear a change in quality, that's why. Um, but otherwise, feel free to buckle up, put your tray tables up, and enjoy this smooth ride through tr- uh, the 2014 entry in the Supergiant Games canon. And uh, please do come back next week for the beginning of spooky season as we do talk about Twilight because I live to torture my friend. Uh, Thank you so much for your continued listenership and I hope you have a fantastic day. Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm L-Spine, not the spine just one of them. And this week, we beat up some monsters with our sword boyfriend in Transistor. Before we hum along to the apocalypse, remember you can help us on Mortified, the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, are following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Layla. Aaron. Do you have fond memories of 2014? I can't remember 2014. Hmm. It's ah. in my my <laughs> 2010 to 17 void. That makes sense. That's valid. Um, do you do you remember this game? It's one of the only things I do remember. Great. Um can you tell me about your experience of playing Transistor? I mean, presumably when it first came out. Yeah, I wept for hours. <laughs> okay. Are you kidding me? It fucked me up. So, no, I love Transistor. It's probably one of my favorite titles of all time. Um, it Something in me fundamentally shifted um, during the sequence with the spine where uh, the Transistor asks Red... Or, or confesses his love to Red, and it is dubious as to whether or not she can hear him in the first place. Um, something shifted in me that day, and it hasn't been the same since. I think about that game all the time. So, yeah. How was your experience playing it for the first time in this, the year of our Lord 2021? It was interesting. I mean, first off, I'll say, did I like playing it? Yes, I had a good time. It was it was a quick, you know, like less than five hours uh played it on my switch which you know we'll talk about how that may or may not have impacted my experience but uh it was nice just to be able to hold it and play it on the couch um yeah i had a little bit of trouble with the combat initially but i I sort of got it figured out uh once you know once i played for an hour or so but um i liked it and i'm glad i I played it because that means i'm like getting through super giants uh catalog i just gotta do bastion and what's their other one i feel like they have another one uh, it's just Bastion, Transistor, Pyre, and Hades in that order. Oh, okay. Then it's just Bastion. That's it, baby. Ah, look at you. Yeah, I I started Bastion in 2012 when I was in college. And then I've been just like a giga fan of them ever since. So to the point where one of my friends did make fun of me uh, on Twitter one time because he was like, are they paying you? And I was like, mm, they should be at this point. <laughs> 
It's just uh, I'm just a stan, you know. Listen, we all we talked about Hades in in last year's episode, uh, and um, you know I think it's pretty fair that you know if we if Supergiant paid us, we would absolutely take their money, but we don't. They don't have to because we love their games. They're great. Uh, yeah. If they were like, "Hey, Layla, can you spend six hours a week uh, talking about our games for free?" I would be like, "Yeah." uh-huh no 100 percent. that just comes naturally to me why not yeah um but yes it's funny because so you're going in their catalog what is what is the order that you played is it pyre pyre hades transistor and then bastion's next yes um i mean i started i probably mentioned this in our hades episode but i started playing hate or pyre because you tweeted about it so much uh in in 2017 i want to say maybe 20 2018 but like around that time and i was just like Okay, Layla thinks this is a good game. She is an internet person that I know that has good taste. And then I played <laughs> Pyre for eight hours straight and beat it in one setting. And I was like, that was a pretty good game. <laughs> it's just, listen, wizard basketball is pretty fucking cool. Um, yeah, so it's funny because you're playing them so out of order. But uh, since I played them in release order, you can like really watch um a very logical evolution in the way they approach their narratives which Mm -hmm. i think is really cool but yeah how does it feel bouncing around i mean like you're saying it definitely does feel like you can see where the iterations of their characters come from like i don't think in in transistor right you don't get like the full-bodied like almost dating sim-esque like character models that slide in and deliver dialogue like you did in empire and hades but like you still get where their their strong character building is coming from where they have like you know most of their lines are fully voiced um and you know their their interest in both music and this like kind of stunning uh, aesthetics like uh you can definitely see that that is absolutely super giants oeuvre and and you know this is where this is why transistor was like so popular and good because like there's a lot of really interesting elements in it um and, you know, uh, I'm glad, again, glad, glad that I'm really kind of learning all about Supergiant's history. Um, but there, there were definitely points that, that I stumbled, uh, especially as far as like the story goes. Um, but we will, we will get into that as the episode continues. Um, do you want me to try to do the plot summary? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, so the game opens with Red pulling a big blue USB sword out of a guy um, and, and the game opens with the line, um, hey, Red, we're not going to get away with this, are we? Which, like, already pretty <laughs> pretty significant tone setting. It's like, oh, this is going to be a sad game. <laughs> um, and from there, we, we learn that, um, you know, the sword is the transistor. Um, you know, Red is able to use it to fight these weird robot creatures called the process, which are, like, kind of like if, um, you know, the apple aesthetic of like the late 2000s became evil uh and and, you know grew legs and shot lasers and stuff like they're they're you know various white shapes that that are they're trying to get you um and it mostly utilizes a a turn-based system kind of like you can freeze time and then take your actions and then they'll play out in real time and you know that's a pretty cool system um but yeah you you fight your way through this city which is called cloud bank uh, and you try to figure out why, um, you know, both of the process are here and why your, your boyfriend's dead. Uh, you, the guy that was stabbed, you know, we're going to be calling him the sword boyfriend. I think there's some stuff in the, the game files that refer to him as the boxer um, at some point. So, you know, he doesn't have a, a real name, but like 
you know that that's kind of the main narrator of the story and um we learn over the course of you know red fighting her way through this city uh that the this group um called the camarada uh orchestrated her assassination at a concert that she was putting on she's a very famous singer um and like her her music is in fact so moving to the people of cloud bank like politically i i think is the is the implication or at least you know on some very deep emotional level that it was causing them people to like have fights and like you know try to try to advocate for something greater and um that's why the the camarada was so interested in red because she was such an interesting singer um anyway you fight one member of the camarada named sybil who uh actually is the reason why your boyfriend's dead because uh, she was apparently in love with you and obsessed with you um you know we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that uh you you defeat her you keep going through through the city and um you fight a big thing i don't know how to describe the spine of the world but basically it's just like a big snake monster type deal um, eventually you kill it and you do rip its heart out, which is very cool. Um, and that, um, it was affecting the, the, the transistor in some way. It was like slowing him down and, and making him say he, he was like kind of drunk. Uh, and you know, that's what Layla was alluding to earlier when she was talking about the, um, the, his confession of love to red. Cause that's what happens when he's like, you know, out of it. And it's, it's hard to tell whether or not red can even understand what he's saying. Um, but like, you get to the end, you meet this guy um, named Royce who is like, yeah, so the Camarada's whole deal was that, you know, you've been doing these terminals, uh, these terminals that, like, made people vote on what this color of the sky was and, like, whether or not you wanted to have architecture and shit. Anyway, we thought that was boring, um, so we decided to make a sword to undo that i guess and um and then it fucked up and um we, we we did kill most of the people we that we sent them to the country so to speak um and um eventually you put the the transistor the sword back in the cradle which sort of resets everything it stops the process from destroying cloud bank you have to fight royce in a cool um duel where both of you have transistors and both of you are able to pause time and do this cool like turn-based fight which which is a very very fun uh, final boss fight um and then and then you know of course you win you go back to cloud bank and you're able to restore parts of the city that the that the process was destroying and, and eliminating um but you know the last thing that happens is that you go to the body of the boxer you sort of restore his body when you realize that you know he is still stuck in the sword. He's not coming back to life. Uh, Red, you know, lies down and uh, right next to him and impales herself with the transistor, um, which, you know, is kind of a suicide thing, but also, like, she knows that she's going to live on in in the transistor with him. And they, like, the final panel of the game is, like, this idyllic countryside, you know, the, the country that the people have been uh, evacuated to slash are sent to when they die. Um, so, like... You know, we'll talk about that, but, um, you know, it's a very melancholy game, um, and it, it, it did evoke some feelings in me, and, uh, I, I think, it, I think it's very well done, but the, the storytelling is very subtle, and in a way that I missed a lot of it and had to go back and, like, watch videos and reviews to sort of understand. Right. I mean, you did mention that the, uh, first of all, excellent summary, great job. 
Uh, I mean, you wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wrote a, I wrote a loose outline. You did a, you did a, a lovely job narrating. Um, but uh, you did mention that you think the the playing on the switch kind of hampered your experience. Um, in what way? Well. The problem with the Nintendo Switch is that when you're dealing with a text-based game, uh, the text is very small. And I had to, like, oftentimes, like, bring this the Switch very close to my face to read it. Uh, and it got to the point where I was just like, uh, this is hurting my eyes. So eventually th- there are parts where you can, like, check your your um, upgrades. And, like, the, the upgrades are characters. Um and, like, at a certain point, I was just, like, using the same ones and not bothering to go through and read, like, the full stories uh, in, the, in the characters because as you use them, you unlock more of their story. And, like, I was just like, ah, I don't, I don't know about this, and this is hurting my eyes. And also, um, there's another point, these uh, QVC terminals that are, you know, how the citizens vote on the way that they want CloudBank to look. I didn't realize that you could have Red type a comment in which gives so much of her characterization because she can't speak uh i I didn't mention that but when you know red was almost killed uh the camarada stole her voice and put in the transistor so like the only way you really get what red is thinking besides her actions and a couple cutscenes is the way that she types into these um these comments essentially like internet comments and um there's definitely parts where i like i had missed there's a part where she like makes a comment about the spine of the world that says that, you know, she's like very worried that it's hurting the boxer and like affecting him in that way. And and she types out the comment, like I'm going to stop this thing and I'm going to break its heart, which makes a lot more sense that there is the whole sequence that she goes back and literally tears its heart out. Um, I didn't get any of that until I went back and watched uh, this video, which I will link in the, in the show notes, but um, it's by, a YouTuber I like very much, uh, Games is Lit 101. Um, but he, he does a great breakdown of Transistor. And like I didn't know that until I watched his video. I was like, oh, that's why there was that whole sequence. Um, so yeah, I think that there are parts of parts of it that are very easy to miss. Um, the music plays a lot of, you know, emo- has a lot of emotion and um, and also does a lot of, of narrative story building, right? The the you know Sybil right the song that plays when you fight Sybil is very important and like I you know I was having I I I heard parts of it that like you know I won't save you I thought that was cool but like I'm also playing it through my Nintendo Switch speakers which have to fight with my Nintendo Switch fan which is blaring <laughs> at the same time and it's just like ah dang it yeah that'll do it huh I did play it on PC uh which I I should have done I'll admit. Well, you know the whole the whole uh, benefit of the Switch is convenience. I will say, like, I tried to start replaying Bastion on the Switch, and I struggled with the controls quite a bit. Um, so I think there is something in terms of uh, porting that there is a challenge in like getting the feel right again. Um, I famously gripe about the Dark Souls port to PC all the time because it's very hard to navigate. And then in addition to it be already being a challenging game. So, you know, there's definitely something to that. Um, yeah, but so something I, I think to f- worth filling in in terms of the plot breakdown is that the Camerata did not intend on stealing Red's voice with the transistor. Um, they intended on just killing her with it. And then the way the transistor works is that it absorbs your... Um, 
Oh, what's it called? Trace. It absorbs your trace. Trace. That's it. Yeah. And uh, she was an up and coming singer. You're right. Like her songs were very like trying to unite the people of Cloudbank. And what they wanted to do was because the transistor is like a quote unquote remote control that they can use to shape the city to the whims of the people. They wanted to absorb her trace and kind of use that in that process. The boxer got in the way. And so because he got in the way, he ended up inside the transistor and her voice was just kind of collateral damage. Uh, It's also inside the transistor, but uh, it didn't get all of her. And so that's why uh, when you kill a villain with a transistor, their trace becomes one of your attacks because they got absorbed the way Red should have been, Um, which is just a neat, a neat little bit of storytelling there. Um, that I love a lot. So let's talk about the characters, shall we? Yeah, definitely. Um, Red, I mean, despite the fact that she is a, a voiceless protagonist, um, is is really neat. Uh, I think, uh, besides the fact that we we get a lot of who she is through um, the transistor's narrative and, and like you know, t- you know him telling us what she's like, we do see a lot of instances in of of how what she's like like she you know there's a bit where she stands in front of a poster and like stares at it longingly and that like does convey a lot about what her character is like and how conflicted she is about her singing um you know we we see there's a bit where they order flatbread um to be sent to their old apartment uh and you know they're they're, like fighting their way through the city but she's like oh yeah no i definitely want to get some flatbread to pick up and like it's it's really cute um there are a lot of very again subtle and and little character moments that really do add to the character of red and and i think that you know that red is a very interesting protagonist despite the fact that she doesn't have uh any lines right uh yeah i love her i have a big old poster of red in my in my living room uh she's she's great yeah there's a lot of really cool stylistic choices they make with just the way she like dresses too right like she rips her her big beautiful gowns that she has um a shorter dress to run around in and and wreak havoc on she rides like a cool motorcycle the whole time um also don't know if you noticed but the jacket she wears is the boxers she wears her oh yeah she wears her dead boyfriend's jacket around which is a sad (laughs) but gives her a brutal cool silhouette um we do appreciate a stylish revenge queen we really do uh, speaking of the boxer, uh, he's got a lot of lines. Talks a lot, chatty boy. Sure does. Um, yeah, I liked him. I mean, I think we do get a lot of interesting dialogue. I mean, the, the voice actor does a great job, of course. Um, you know, great voice. I think he was also in Bastion too. He, yeah, he's but, like um, um, he's like the he's he's in everything. He's Logan Cunningham. He's like they're one of the founding members of Supergiant, and then Ashley Limbera is the singing voice of Red, and she's also like a founding force. She's the voice of Eurydice in Hades. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think again like we there is that tension between like we don't know like whether or not they can actually hear each other red red in the transistor i just kind of assumed that they could though like i don't know maybe that that kind of i never felt that there was there was um you know any any narrative tension between that the what like any confusion about whether or not they could actually hear each other i'd always just seem like they were able to communicate um 
I don't know. I'm the kind of person who, like, when I read the Garfield strips, I assume that Garfield and John are talking to each other. So I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Well, I think you're supposed to assume that they can hear each other, right? Because she never does anything to contradict him necessarily. But when he's like, hey, you can hear me, right? You're like, wait. But at the same time, she's never done anything to prove that she can. She just kind of keeps fighting. So it's I I think that they use the assumption that I think most of us made that they can hear each other in a really clever way in that moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, I there are parts where I don't. I, I get a little bit frustrated with their narration, especially like when I'm getting my ass kicked in combat and he's like, hey, hey, are you there? Can you hear me? It's like, yeah, dog, I'm having a bad time. Please don't, <laughs> please don't rub it in. <laughs> but um, other, otherwise, I, I think it, I think it's a good job. Yeah, and now we can talk about our uh, favorite group of uh, angry gays, the Camerata. Yeah, um... The Camerata are, are interesting, right? Like, I didn't bring up Asher and Grant at all. They are also members of the, the Camerata. But, like, Sybil, Asher, Grant, and Royce, they are, you know, like, general evil, like, nerds. But, like, you have to, like, get pretty deep into understanding the Camerata's lore. And, like, they, they don't tell you it textually. Like, you have, you have to seek it out. It's not delivered in narration. But apparently, like, they are all, like administrators of some type in the city and like the reason that they were so frustrated with um all all the people voting on whatever they wanted cloudbank to be is because um and they explain this in their model whenever when everything changes nothing does um and like that that's their whole philosophy which is why they wanted to make this thing that like changed everything and um yeah i don't know i i I found it so hard to connect with them, unfortunately. Yeah, I think this is where maybe the tiny text on the Switch issue is quite problematic because so much of their information is in those little uh, UI segments and in communicating mm. with them through the terminals and seeing their old posts in the terminals. Um, because, so like Asher and Grant, this isn't like explicit, but it kind of is. They're married, they're husbands. Um, yeah. They have the same last name, they look nothing alike. Um, and there is some text that refers to them being like basically each other's like other half. Um, they commit suicide because uh, they saw what happened to Sybil when she started to get infected by the process, and they were like, "Not us!" And they killed themselves. Um, Twenty minutes before, or sixteen minutes before, Red gets to the to the tower where they are. So uh, she, you know, didn't. Nobody got a chance to like save them and then uh royce is just an insufferable little dweeb he's just he also does the thing that like is is a very good thing to do in media if you're trying to make your villain uh really really a piece of shit which is that he doesn't send he doesn't go himself to like go and talk to the the protagonist he sends like a little tv robot that floats around and provides narration uh and he you know is like this is this is what my motivations were and this is this is how i thought everything was gonna go out but i guess it didn't and um also when he shows up in fights like he is present with you during fights but he just has a little shield on and doesn't help you at all it's so annoying and i think that's a great way to be like fuck this guy yeah he's he's truly the epitome of fuck this guy because the whole thing is that uh he when sybil wanted Sybil convinced the Camerata that Red was important. 
she did so because what she wanted to do was have Red L to herself. That's the mm-hmm. whole thing. She Sybil was like, she's hot. I'm hot. We're going to be together forever. Fuck that tall dude that keeps hanging around her. Um, and so she convinced the camerata that she would be an important target. The whole thing goes south. And then because Royce needed the transistor back, because it's like the key to this whole process-based operation, he released the process into the city. So, and then the process got out of control and he was like, oh no, I fucked up a little bit. And then he has to like tell Red his whole like big megalomaniacal plan. Um, But he is truly like, you are right. Seeing him stand there just a useless piece of shit. You're like, I do something. Be useful. (laughs) Apparently you can wield the transistor, pick up a stick, bite these off. I don't know what to tell you. Um... But yeah, Royce, Royce was a, a wild animal, and there's this like whole long trek to get to him. It's very melodramatic, which I appreciate in aesthetic. You know me. I love an, I love a, an aesthetic. Um, but even though she is the first boss fight that you have, Sybil is the one that always sticks out to me. You mentioned that like the music that plays. There's two versions of every song in Transistor. There's like the, the regular song, and there's kind of a corrupted version of the song. And basically, Sybil starts to get corrupted by the process, and like all of her in battle dialogue is very much about like having wanted to get closer to Red, and 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 the sort of like corrupted version of In Circles plays, or is it In Circles? Yes, it's In Circles. There we go. Yeah. Okay. So Crushed great. It. In Circles. That's not I have sheet music for. What a shocker. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you know, the whole line is like, "But I won't save you." It's it's a it's a good it's a very atmospheric time in which you do have to like help a woman as she's being possessed by the process and when she dies uh, so when when people are on the ground you can get a percentage bar of how processed they are and Sybil's turns back to zero just before she dies so you do like save her but she dies so. I think about that moment a lot it's a very impactful fight. I I just it definitely feels like I played a different video game than all the people who played Transistor and were like this is the best game ever because like I don't know if I'm just dense and I need dialogue and character motivations and everything to be delivered to me explicitly but like I, I missed so much of this stuff that seems like it did add quite a lot um, and I think that on a second or, or third playthrough I'd finally you know I'd actually sort 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 of get it um, but yeah like. Uh, it, it, I, I, I could tell that like Sybil was was very interesting and I, I was glad that like you know that much emphasis was put on the first character but I definitely felt like Sybil was a more interesting character than like basically any other member of the Camerata yeah I mean like I won't lie to you I did have to look up uh, Grant Nasher's names again because mm-hmm. I kind of forgot about them um, but yeah it's like Sybil and Royce get a lot of the spotlight and Grant Nasher you really have to like be present in the the terminal for um, they do have personalities you know they're they're interesting in their own ways they have their, their roles to play especially Grant being the oldest of the bunch and he's kind of like the one with the most um, say even though uh, the leader, quote-unquote, is technically Royce. Um, Royce is just louder, really. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff that... I mean, Supergiant always does this. It's a lot of environmental storytelling. Uh, and a lot of the environmental, environmental storytelling is reading. Um, you are, it's, it's, an, it's an interactive story, right? It's somewhere between... <laughs> excuse me. It's somewhere in between interactive fiction and like uh an rpg you know it occupies a really interesting nether space and 
I don't, know, I don't see a lot of people doing that where I hadn't until I feel like Pillars of Eternity kind of occupies the same space. There's a lot more like narrative heavy kind of like you get what you as you get as deep as you want to get in these games by how much reading you want to do, which I think is a, a fantastic place to be. And you just have to be in the right mood for it. Uh, yeah. Um, let's put a pin in that because we're probably going to talk about, uh, you know, environmental storytelling and, and the ways that um, Transistor delivers its its narrative and themes. Uh, but let's talk about the process real quick. Um, your note says, kind of like the Promare, kind of like the Citadel robots in Mass Effect. Yeah, because they're like weird little robots that are supposedly the things that change the city around, right? And the Transistor, in the way Royce was trying to use it, is like supposed to control them, I think. If I'm understanding the lore correctly. Um, but also, they're supposedly not from this dimension. Okay, I didn't catch that at all. <laughs> so, I caught, I picked that up in a little bit of reading that I was doing to prep for this podcast. Um, yeah, but, uh, so, they're, yeah, they're robots! I think the evil Apple aesthetic is, like, really spot on. They're, like, white robots with red eyes. Um, they are friend-shaped, but they're not friendly. Some of them have, like, very silly names. Like, one of them, like, like, like the little eggs are just, like, bad robots. And one of them is named, like, uh, Young Lady. And then the big scary ones are named Jerk. <laughs> like, that rules. Oh, yeah. And that's a, that, those are naming conventions that come over from Bastion, too. Uh, there's a lot of really funky, funky guys. Some lads. Uh, <laughs> hanging out. In very place. shaped. Uh, yeah, no, I love the process. I think they're really cool. Um, I think that especially when you go back to like the first couple areas you play through um, after Royce kind of inserts himself more into the narrative and they're like all corrupted. It's such a it's cool, right? I mean, it's sad, but it's all like white and all of Cloudbank is so teal and gold that all of a sudden you come into these white areas that you've known before and it's just really troubling. It's an interesting. There's also there's also like a really good portion where Red goes back to the stage that she used to perform on, and like this is like pretty late game, but the um the process are all like sitting there like waiting as if they were an audience, and when you hum, they like respond to it, and like that that was very affecting to me. Um, and I think Games is makes this point that like it that moment shows that you know now that the process have been unleashed and are starting to like roam about the world like maybe it's you know red maybe it's just having gained information by being unleashed like but they are becoming more than just robots they are gaining some sort of personhood or a sapience um and and that's that's a really neat touch right which which makes sense when you consider that the transistor is absorbing the essence of a person right Mm -hmm. um so those are generally speaking our characters there's also some minor characters but they're not there's like a weatherman i think He's a good time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the I feel like not having not being able to read the terminal and respond takes away like a lot of the texture of Cloud Bank, I guess. Um, so that's a bummer. But yeah, those are our those are our folks. Um, do we want to get into Cloud Bank? Yeah. I mean, like, I didn't really. Again, like, I I just did not catch on to any of this stuff. But until like it was explained to me later on, but like there there are so many interesting ideas going on with Cloud Bank, like the idea that you know you could you could democratically create a city to be whatever you want it to be, and therefore the city just constantly changes as people you know are like, oh, I want this the sky to be like purple today, um, like th- that that's a very interesting concept, and 
I, I really like the the little storytelling um, touches that I did catch on to, like, you know, the fact that people are, are voting and the fact that, you know, there's also like super delivery service in CloudBank. I, I think it's a really neat, uh, neat concept. Yeah, like a fully kind of automated utopia almost where it changes yeah. on the daily. Yeah, I feel like so another uh, super giant, I guess, theme in in a lot of their stories is this like reliance on a cultural or atmospheric isolation so bastion and transistor have this in common where you do have other characters you talk to right so you have the transistor you have the camarada um there are other characters there for you to interact with but the thing that um changes is you get the familiar taken away from you so uh you know cloud bank becomes processed over time um and so there's just places you just no longer get access to after a while and uh you can physically see it becoming white um as it's being processed so um yeah i guess i guess the thing worth talking about is like even without catching all of the storytelling in terms of like the attacks being too small uh did you still you know, were there any other impactful moments for you where, like, the world was changing? And did you pick up on, on that sort of, like, sense of isolation? No, I, I like, when I was playing, like, I, I didn't start realizing that the world was even changing until, like, very close to the end where, where like, you know, Royce had shown up and was that little TV. And I was like, oh, everything's just white squares now. That's different. <laughs> um... <laughs> And like, um, yeah, I, I think that that read is very interesting that that, you know, the the process consuming clown bake is isolation, um, because I mean, that is ultimately when what happens to Red, right? She's left alone, you know, the god of a new world, but, you know, alone, you know, with, with only the process to, to hang out with her. And like, you know that that is a very powerful theme uh, that that transistor transistor is able to pull on, and and I do appreciate that that you pointed that out. Yeah, well, because in the end, you know, she chooses death over isolation. That's not like death, death. It's still, you know. Yeah, I think you know, Games is what makes this point that like we don't want to be glorifying suicide. Um, and you know, Red makes this choice. Um, and like there is a read where it's like, oh, she she died by suicide and that made her happy which is like that's not really the right way to read it right she knows that she's not actually dying she's going to be with the boxer in in like a virtual you know paradise and it's it's a different thing but i do want to clarify like you know it, it this is not a game that uh textually or explicitly is is glorifying suicide no 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 yeah it very much codifies the fact that like your trace lives on within the transistor. So as long as there's a transistor, there's a you, um, which is uh, another uh, another interesting thing in the sense that like when you have these capsule narratives, there's so many, um, I guess, loose threads at the end, right? Because you're just diving into this really rich world. There's so many questions and you don't get all the answers. You guys just kind of speculate. But I don't know. I don't find it frustrating like I do um, with a lot of other things. I think that... Um, the threads that they choose to leave open are usually the right threads, right? So it's not, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a nice, um, but all of this happens within a, I think, I think the thing I find most interesting about super giant games is like, 
so many games nowadays are obsessed with choice, right? Like you get to make choices all the time. There's like whole genres of RPGs where like your choice matters, right? You got your Dragon Ages, your Mass Effects, your your Witchers, your you know Cyberpunks, all these all these different massive sandbox games where where your choices matter, right? You don't get choices in uh, in Transistor. Or you, most of you, you get one choice, which is the type of flatbed to order. Hell yeah, that's the only choice you need. You get some choices in Pyre that's just like the order of of the your friends that get to go to the surface. Um, but then you know, in, in Hades, you get a lot more choices. But but Transistor is truly like a linear narrative which you don't see a lot but it does still generate feeling right like you said when she goes back to the empty stage and and there's some some stuff um i always find it interesting from your perspective because you do a lot of work on the ttrpg space you know you hang out there a lot which is a lot of like improv player choice um from i guess that perspective is there i guess are there any lessons to be learned um, about evoking choice or evo- evoking emotion from from a player in a situation that is maybe a little bit more linear and and doesn't depend on their choice making, but just their kind of involvement in 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 participating the, in the story. Yeah, I mean, I think linear video games are are threading such a difficult needle because, like, like you're saying, right. In a TTRPG, like half of the fun comes from the fact that it is improvisational and like you are playing and collaboratively building a story. At least, you know, you probably should be collaboratively building a story if you're playing a TTRPG to some degree. Um, and like the, the fun of that is like, oh, I'm going to make my character make a decision uh, and that's going to have an impact. And I'm going to, you know, be excited to see what that impact is. Um, you know, like you said, there are plenty of, of you know, RPGs that have choices you know, Mass Effect and, and your Witchers, which ultimately don't really affect the story at all. Um, and like, I think that that Super Giant Games and, and Transistor um, do a very smart thing, which is like, we're not, you know, we have a story we're going to tell, we're going to tell it efficiently, and you you can play through it. But like, it is ultimately still our story. Um, I, I think that's a smart choice, even even though it is difficult, right? Because like, you know, this was 2014. So I don't know how much player choice was was actually being a thing that was touted um it, it might have been you know this is coming right off of mass effect so like eh, it, this is 2014 though so this is also the conversation like this is pre-gamergate like or like r- releasing right around gamergate but um you know the game space started to have these conversations about like narrative design and choice and it wasn't just you know um the graphics are great but like yeah it, it is so with with a game right with a video game there should be some element of interactivity but i feel it is much more important to solidly deliver on the themes and narratives and you know plot points you want to hit on in your story uh over you know giving a player a facsimile of choice um you know the difference between uh a linear video game and a tabletop is that in a tabletop the the fun comes from you know what you and your friends are able to do based on the choices you make in a linear you know video game you are playing through a story and and that allows you to have immersion and and you feel more connected to the characters 
but like the fun comes from playing through a story that has already been authored um and you know depending on how the author you know the writing goes you can your your mileage may vary but Supergiant has has a pretty good track record at this point of having pretty compelling narratives so um i'm, I'm very happy with with the way that they they've um the way that they've delivered on on this type of game design and you know i think you and i are both in that camp of like we want shorter video games with worse graphics uh that you know our people are paid more money to work less for to make and like that's that's all right here and uh, you know despite the fact that you know I, I did have trouble connecting with it i i am very happy that this is how it turned out yeah, I mean, I I am bummed that you didn't get kind of like the full fun uh, posting on Reddit to change the color of the sky experience. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's I really love subtle storytelling, right? Uh, I I love I, I, <laughs> I, I follow a lot of like in, um, environment artists on on Twitter, and there's uh, a joke going around that some folks uh, used to kind of hammer on the Dishonored series for like beating you over the head with gra- with uh, like graffiti on the walls that are like the government sucks um i love that stuff as somebody who does frequently drive by a bridge uh, nearby that does have covid 1984 graffiti onto it um people just like be like that <laughs> i'm not joking i drive by that bridge several times a week um yeah, so you know, uh, I, I'm not too surprised, but I really love environmental storytelling because um, I like I uh, I think player choice is awesome, but I also like when when uh, somebody understands how where they're good at telling stories and they just pick like two avenues. And they started playing Pillars of Eternity recently, and there was just too many avenues of me being told context for things, which is some people really like that. I am too distracted. You have to pick two for me. You know, you have to be like, okay, you can either read a codex entry or you can talk to these characters. And it was like codex entry characters uh, hovering over the script, which is, again, fine. But just I, my brain's small and smooth. So when I'm playing a video game, I, you know, it's too much context. But Supergiant does this really nice thing where it forces you to slow down. And you're like, okay, I'm going to go read four paragraphs of a terminal entry now. And it's going to be juicy because uh, four incredibly melodramatic queers kind of caused the apocalypse. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm one of those people that, like, it, player choice really doesn't... I don't know. I, I, if, if for, for a long time, I thought I, I valued player choice, but now I'm kind of like, I don't know. Interactive narrative in itself is really cool, especially when it does things... Um, to twist your perception of the story it's been trying to tell for a while. So, you know, when you start out in Transistor, uh, where it's a story about um, your boyfriend turning into a sword, which, listen, it feels like a tragedy, but, like, is it? <laughs> I think Boyfriend I Dungeon was onto something. <laughs> I know plenty of women who would be better off if their boyfriends were swords. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you can transform into a sword, um, I'll bleep this in the edit, but my phone number is <laughs> call me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot, but, um, 
there was a point I was trying to get at, and now I'm thinking about sword boyfriends, and I've kind of lost it. Oh, right. The point was that, like, you know, if you can find an interesting way to subvert my perception of the story and of your characters, then I'm generally kind of in. And, like, having the story start out as um, boyfriend turns into sword, which, again, tragedy, plausible. Um, it's all about your perspective, baby. And then turning it into, like, hey, um, actually, we're going to make this about, uh, I guess, like, Red's participation in a society that, like, like you said, like, doesn't change by way of changing too much. Um, and, you know, uh, her relationship with existing in that world as it's changing then too quickly. And also we're going to plant a seed of doubt that the communication you, the player, have been getting from the sword is being received by Red at all. Like, having that distance put between your perception of the narrative that's all really cool stuff to me. Um, I think that's all really, really neat. And um, I have been on this podcast for a long time as a, as a, a fan of uh, companies trying things. I like it when you try things. And I think that's why I love Supergiant so much is because every game is different and they're constantly trying something. Even if it doesn't succeed, I think there's parts of Pyre I didn't really find all that successful for me personally. Um, they're always trying stuff. And I think that's amazing and awesome and i'm for it and yes smaller games made by happier people please um yeah that's my tangent send tweet very good <laughs> um all right um well layla if people want to hear us talk more about smaller games made by happier people uh, where can they find us on the internet? I'm at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on uh, Twitter and Tumblr. Um, I'm unemployed. I'm just vibing right now. Uh, Aaron, how about you? Uh, you can find me on the internet at Aaron SXL on Twitter, um, where I talk about health policy and tabletop RPGs. Uh, you can listen to the other podcast I do at The Bible Boys. Uh, we are just about to ramp up into the part of the year where Michael makes us watch four horror movies, and me and Josh hate it, but... Uh, we're, we agree to do it every year anyway, um, but we also just did, released an episode about um, Christian TikTok, which is uh, absolutely deranged, so uh, please check that out. Uh, our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmakers Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Uh, Layla, how, as we say goodbye to CloudBank, should we close this one out? Look, whatever we're thinking, just do me a favor. Don't let go.